0: My name is Michael Tuck, and I'm the Associate Pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. The heart uh, of Jesus is for us to be a disciple of his. For us to be, and I've been using the word apprentice, maybe so. Just it might just, uh, I don't know. Maybe that's a word that's more familiar to us, um, and we might get the idea that we're, he wants us to be his apprentice. And last week I suggested that being saved from the way sin, which is death, that being saved from that is synonymous with being a disciple. Not everyone agrees with that, but regardless, we made the, the case last week, and I believe it's true, that regardless, God's heart is for all of us that say we know him and love him to be disciples of Jesus. He wants us to be a disciple of his son. And, uh, and even more so, or not more so, but uh, along with that, he wants us to be not just a disciple of Jesus, but he wants us to make disciples. He wants us to help other people make that same sort of commitment to follow Jesus and learn from him. So what does it look like for us to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to follow him or to learn from him? What does he expect of me? How do I grow? How do I continue uh, in this fellowship of Jesus all the days of my life? And I have suggested over the last few weeks, that there's a framework to our discipleship, that it's not just doing a bunch of things, but there are category areas that He desires for us to follow Him in. And, and what I've been hoping is that out of all of this, build that framework, or if we already have that framework, we will build off of that framework, strengthen our discipleship of the Lord Jesus. And a couple of weeks ago, I shared with you that in this framework, I thought one of the parts of it was motivation, that motivation is a category of our, of our following Jesus. Why do we follow him? And I suggested that fear and transactionalism are not the best of motives to follow Jesus, but rather that Jesus himself, that Jesus and his love for us is the motive that, by which we are, or from which we should follow Jesus. And I also said the blessed hope of the, of the future that he, he has for us in his great love for us that we just sang about, that, that he has a great future and we're going to be glorified in that future. And those should be motives for following him. And then last week I suggested that in this in, these, in this framework of following Jesus, there's a category that I'm calling obedience. And uh, and this was an area where I, I called us, or I said that a disciple is expected to obey Jesus, to do what he says. And I encourage you to formulate a plan to look at an area maybe where you're not being as obedient as you know you should, and how to change that, how to fix that, how to strengthen your obedience in that particular area. At least a couple of you have pushed back on me, and, I, and I'm always appreciative of that. You pushed back in particular on the motivation area. And you said that, you know, you weren't sure that fear wasn't a motive for following Jesus. After all, the Bible says that fear is the beginning of wisdom, right? And someone said, you know, last week, Jimmy, you talked about how uh, obedience, one of the reasons we should obey is because it's in the center of obedience that we find flourishing. So why should we not fear why should we not fear being out of that place of flourishing? And so therefore, that's also a good motivation uh, to follow Jesus. So I'm going to concede this morning that the lines of motivation are maybe not as distinctly drawn as uh, as I implied. Uh, maybe fear can indeed be a motive that leads us to flourishing in, uh, in the Lord Jesus. This- Talk about a third area of uh, of this of this framework that I'm suggesting for us as followers of Jesus, and I'm, I'm calling this category truth. And I'm saying that an area in which you and I, as followers of Jesus, should focus our attention would be our growth in in truth. The Colossians passage that we're basing or building all of this off of. Here's what Paul says. He says, God God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious mystery, a wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And so motivation, Jesus in us, the hope of glory. Uh, Obedience, warning everyone, and and though it doesn't tell us what we're to warn them of, I'm suggesting that we're to warn them to obey and to not disobey the Lord. And then, then the third part, which is the part we're looking at today, teaching everyone with all wisdom, and I'm calling this category truth. And I'm suggesting, again, that this should be a major area in which we focus our attention as followers of Jesus. Now, Jesus himself says, I am the truth. I am the truth. And in his last mandate to us, prior to his return to to heaven, Jesus says, I want you to go and teach everyone to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And so we are, as followers of Jesus, to be learning from him growing in wisdom. So I'd like, to, I'd like to kind of start off this talk by sharing with you three myths about learning truths that, that I see. That I want I to debunk these myths. I, I want to debunk these. Here's the first one. I'll learn everything I need to know from the teaching that I receive on Sunday morning. That's a myth everyone. That is simply not true. You will not learn everything you need to know. In fact I would suggest that you'll learn very I won't say very little, but from, from between Sunday school and, and this teaching time, uh, you know, I, it's just not, it's not enough time investment in our learning as disciples. Now, I'm not suggesting that you forsake this. In fact, the Bible says that we're not to forsake this. We're actually to prioritize it. But it really only ends up being an hour and a half of, of maybe teaching time in the course of, of a week if we, if we just make Sunday our, our time of learning. So here's a couple of verses from the Old Testament. Here's the Psalms. Psalm 1. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the path? It's not for them. All they need is maybe what... I thought about this last night. Maybe they're thinking, all I need is what I have. You know, I've got enough. I've learned enough. I don't need to learn anything else. Or, or maybe as people are, you know, doctrines for other people that are more cerebral. I'm, I'm all about just loving Jesus and loving people and, and following after Jesus. The whole point of this talk... The whole point of this talk is to say that's simply not true. That you actually need truth. That God wants you to be growing in truth. Jesus said the truth will set you free. So it's so, so very important that you learn truth. Myth number three is that truth is all that matters. You know, I, I definitely uh, remember somebody I, I love basically saying that all that matters in worship is truth. All that matters is me learning truth. And, uh, and, and that's simply not, not so. We have elevated in the Western church, we have conflated, if you would, we have conflated knowing with spiritual maturity that what you know makes you mature. What you know does not make you mature. Now, again, I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to minimize knowing. The whole point of this talk is going to be to challenge you to learn truth, to invest in in growing in wisdom. That's the whole point of this talk. I'm saying it up front. But having said that, that's not all there is. Spiritual maturity is not just knowing truth, but it's living it. It's letting my character be changed by it. I don't know if, Keith, you said that, or Michael, you said it in, in the worship leading, but, but it's it's letting our lives be changed by, by truth and maturity and character and how I act. And so this morning, I want to share with you four four realities that God, or four challenges that God offers to us as believers, or four realities about truth as it relates to us as disciples. And I'm going to do that beginning with Hebrews chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, I'll be reading for verse 11. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. And then I'm going to make a couple of, I'm going to share with you what Jesus wants us to hear about disciples and truth. All right, here's, here's the text. We have a great deal to say to you, the author says, about this. And it is difficult to explain since you have become too lazy to understand. Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he's an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained and distinguished between to distinguish between good and evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, faith in God, teaching about ritual washings, laying on of hands, the resurrection from the dead, the eternal judgment. And we will do this if If God permits. Now, here's the the first thing God wants you to know as a disciple about truth. He expects you to grow in truth. I mean, this isn't me, everyone. This isn't Jimmy just wanting to admonish you in something that I think is good. This is what the scripture, this is what the apostles taught us. They said, It is God's desire that you grow in truth. The author says here, You should have been teachers. You should be teaching others. He says, but you, but you can't teach others. You've you, you got to be taught just the very basic elemental things about truth. He said, he uses the analogy of milk and solid food, obviously an allusion to babies and growing in, into maturity. Babies come into the world and all they drink is, uh, all they drink is breast milk, right? And, but the mature, as they mature, they leave the breast milk behind and they move on to solid food. You know, Charlie, little Charlie was with us this weekend. And, uh, you know, we, I, we didn't give her any of the chili we had. She didn't have any of the chicken pot pie we had the other night. All she had was her mother's breast milk. Why? Because she's just a newborn. She's just an infant. You know, but in years to come, say six or seven years from now, she's still just drinking breast milk. Something's really wrong with my granddaughter, right? Because she's going to move on to solid food. That's what maturity does. And that's the analogy here. And here's what, here's what the author is saying to us. You need to leave behind the elementary teachings about Christ, right? Not because you don't need them, because you already know them. Because you've learned more and you're growing and you're learning and you're becoming, you're becoming mature. You can leave those things behind. We disciples of Jesus should not accept of ourselves and of each other that we're going to stay as infants. We should not, I should not accept that in my life, and you should not accept that in your life either. And we should not accept that with one another. We need to leave the elementary teachings and go on and grow as disciples of the Lord in wisdom and in knowledge of Him. Let's look at the second one. Here's the second thing I think God wants you to know about truth, and it's that growing in truth is hard work. It takes effort. It doesn't happen by osmosis. It doesn't happen because you put the Bible on at night when you go to sleep. I'm not saying that's not good. Do that. I mean, if you go to sleep, listen to the Bible, that's wonderful. But that's not how you're going to grow in wisdom. Look at the Hebrews passage again. I'm, I'm pulling this one from here. He says, "Here's what the author says: We have a great deal to say to you about this, and it is difficult to explain, since you have become too lazy to understand." Now, what's the implication? Man, it is hard work to grow in wisdom and in knowledge of the Lord. It's it's hard work for you to grow in your discipleship of truth. But if you become lazy, you're not going to grow. It takes effort. And can I say this? It takes effort in every area of our lives to grow in learning. Not just in theological things. Not just in spiritual things about God. In anything in life. It takes us investing to grow. And so when you go to school, guys, don't you have to pay attention to the teacher? And you have to fulfill the assignments. And then when you go home at night, you know, they don't call it home pleasure, They don't call it home ease. They say you go home and you do your what? Home work, right? Because it's work, because it's hard. And and, you know, if you're lazy, you're not going to grow. Here's my challenge. Here's the category. It's the category of truth and growing in wisdom. And I'm telling you, God wants you to grow. It's not acceptable for you to stay. It's not acceptable for you to stay as a child in your understanding of spiritual things. But you're not going to get there unless you're willing to work hard. You're not going to get there in which, unless you're willing to invest your time and your effort in learning and growing. Here's what Paul told Timothy. Remember his protege, his young man in the faith. He says, be diligent to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. Be diligent. Be diligent. What does diligence implies? It implies hard work implies investment. It implies not just, you know, floating along, but actually working at something. Here's number three. Here's the third thing I think God wants us to know as his disciples about this category of truth. Here it is. A desire to know truth is the mark of a true disciple. The desire to know what the Word of God says is really a mark that we are following Jesus and that we belong to Him, that our heart belongs to Him. So here's the text, It's 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writing to his protege, he says, Preach the Word, be ready in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come... Where people will not tolerate sound doctrine, sound truth, sound teaching. That's what the word means. But according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. And they will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to miss. The reason they don't want to hear the truth, uh, Paul tells Timothy, is because they don't want to obey. They don't want to know what the truth is. They want to just listen to people tell them what they want to hear. And that's the kind of person they're going to, that's the kind of person they're going to mass themselves to listen. Matthew chapter 15, our Savior himself says something similar. He says this, he says, he's talking to the Hebrews, I guess I mean to the Jewish leadership. He says, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines, teaching the truth of God, he says, as the commandments of of men. So they teach what they want to teach, and they don't want to teach God's truth. So, so my goal in, in sharing this point with us was this, to just simply ask you to evaluate your discipleship. I mean, this is a rhetorical evaluation you know, do you want to know truth? Do you seek after truth? Or are you just content with letting me teach you something on Sunday morning, or letting your Sunday school teacher teach you something on Sunday morning? Are you content with that? Or is your desire to know truth, and to and to know it, and live it, and understand it rightly? Do you, do you amass people to yourself? Do you listen to, no, I shouldn't say amass. Do you listen to people that are just going to say what you want them to say? Or do you Do you listen to people who are going to challenge you, you know, with the Word of God? That's what you should do. That's what we should do. Here's the fourth, here's the fourth truth. Remember, I only had four, so you can kind of get excited. Uh, The truth, this is the fourth truth that Jesus wants us to know. God wants us to know is this. A disciple seeking to learn truth, the wisdom of God, what he is going to seek to understand is recorded for us in our Bible. Now, I know I'm holding up an iPad, but my Bible's on it. And I know some of you have such disdain for the iPhone Bibles or your iPad Bible, like, like Anne, Probably Micah over there, you know. And all these, all these people who want a paper Bible, that's absolutely wonderful, okay. But wherever you read your Bible, that's the truth that God wants you to know, all right. Here's Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And, and let me tell you how I get there. Let me tell you how I get there. The, here's my goal. Tell you how I got to that To that truth. Uh, Acts 242 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. There's three other parts to that text, but but I just want you to know they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. There was in the New Testament no Bible. They They didn't have a New Testament recorded for them. Listen, they didn't even have an Old Testament. Yeah, there was an Old Testament, and men knew the Old Testament, but you didn't have have a copy in your house, right? You did not have a copy of God's Word that was accessible to you. So it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What that means is Jesus sent the apostles out to teach for them, and as they were going out, people were devoted to listening to that. They wanted to hear what John had to say, what, uh, what Peter had to say, what Thaddeus had to say, what all of the, Simon, all the disciples that we know very, much, very little about, Thomas, they, they wanted to hear what they had to say because Jesus had sent them out with his truth. The night of the crucifixion, or the night before the crucifixion, Jesus is meeting with his disciples. You remember this, don't you? It was a long night, and John records for us lots of teaching. But here's what John says that Jesus said to them. John 14, he says, verse 16, I will ask the Father and he'll give you another helper, counselor. Your translation may say counselor, helper, to to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you couple of chapters later same night Jesus said I still have many things to tell you but you can't bear them now when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth so here's what here's what Jesus told his his disciples his apostles he says I'm going to send you out But it's not like you've got to remember everything. I'm sending my spirit. He's going to remind you, and he's going to lead you, and he's going to teach you so that you go out, and you're teaching for me, and he's reminding. He's helping you guys remember everything that I've taught you. All right? So they go out, and they transmit what we call the New Testament. They transmit it orally. And that means there's no, there's no writings that, you know, Peter doesn't show up and, and they all take out their Bibles and they follow along. No, Peter's giving them the Bible orally. He's telling them the truth right then. And they're, they're listening to it. No wonder they devoted. No wonder they would meet together every single night because they were, they were having someone tell them the Bible that they didn't have. It must've been an exciting time for them. Others would come behind them. Okay, it's not all a pretty picture. Others would come behind these apostles and they would deny what they said or they would change it or they would reject it, make up their own stuff. And people people would often prefer to listen to that. Here's the Apostle John in one of his letters. He says, Many deceivers have gone out into the world. They do not confess the coming of Jesus in the flesh. This is the deceiver, the Antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you don't lose what you have worked for, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who does not remain in Christ's teachings... Listen, anyone who does not remain in Christ's teaching... But goes beyond it, does not have God. The one who remains in that teaching, this is the one, both the Father, who has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, this is John speaking, do not receive him into your home. Do not greet him, for the one who greets him shares in his evil. So here's what's happening. John goes out and teaches, and then following him is going to be another guy who's going to be changing and thwarting it and, and messing it up. And John says, don't listen to that. Listen to what the apostles have taught you. And do what they they say. Believe them. Don't be led astray by these other folks that are coming and they're teaching you something different. They They didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have the apostles teaching written down. Paul writing to Timothy says this. Teach and encourage these things. If anyone teaches false doctrine, false truth, false false body of, of truth, and does not agree with the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the teaching that promotes godliness, he's conceited and understands nothing, but has an unhealthy interest in disputes and arguments over words. From these come envy and quarrels and slander and evil suspicions and constant disagreement among people whose minds are depraved and deprived of the truth, but who imagine that godliness is a way of material gain." But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought, we, we, were brought noth- we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. I know that's a little bit long, but I wanted you to see that Paul identifies false teachers as those who come and change the content of what had been taught to them orally, all right? Now, he also notes here, this is just a side note. He also says that the false teachers that come by, do you, do you see that? Who imagine that godliness is a way to material gain. Did y'all see that? Man, we live in a day where there's a huge segment of people who say they follow Jesus. But it's all about a means to material gain. It's all about, you know, adding money to, uh, to you. And, and people flock to that. Why? I, I think it goes back to the first passage that I read you that Paul says to Timothy. People want to have, people want to hear people say the kind of things that I want them to say. Like that God wants all of us wealthy and rich. And, and that all of us can have everything and we're never going to suffer. And if you're suffering, it's because of a problem on your end. And so people come and, they, they, and Paul says, no, look, godliness is a means of great gain. But only when it's accompanied by contentment with where we are because we came into the world and we're going to leave with nothing and all the stuff in between doesn't really matter. Now here's my point in case you've gotten lost in all my stuff the apostles the apostles were the ones that carried this truth that Jesus says you need to be growing in, you need to be deepening in, you need to be understanding and following. They're the ones that carried the message. Now unfortunately now listen, unfortunately I invited Peter but he couldn't be here today and, and John and John, John sends his regrets, but he's been dead for two millennia. We can't listen to them personally. We can't, we can't hear them. Listen, if they were here, I'd be sitting down there. And John would have the teaching time. And Peter would have the teaching time. Because they were the ones that Jesus taught. And they were the ones that took his teaching to, to their generation. And if they could be here today, they'd have the teaching time right now. Okay, Because I wouldn't be interpreting their words. They would be their words, right? But the church recorded their teaching. The church wrote down the apostles' teaching, and it's what we call the New Testament. The New Testament is the apostles' teaching. And I I don't have time to defend this. I'm just going to make this as a a true statement. In your New Testament is recorded the doctrine, the teaching that, uh, that the apostles were commissioned by Jesus to take to us. That's what your New Testament is. It's the apostles' teaching, and so when we read things like we should leave the elementary teachings and we should go on to deeper teachings. Listen, we don't have to invite Peter and John and James, and we don't have to invite those guys because we already have the teaching that they gave us. It's recorded for us in our Bibles, and so it is the wisdom that we seek. It is the wisdom that we're growing in. It's it's this category of discipleship and learning. This is what we should be learning. It's why the Reformers, okay, so the Reformers in the 1500s and uh, in the 16th century, I mean, there, there came a point of crisis in the church because the church had gotten so far away from the apostles' teaching recorded for us in the Bible that the Reformers basically said, no, guys, we've got, it's not what the Pope says. It's not what all the councils say. It's not any of that. It's what the apostles said, and we need to get back to their teaching. Where is their teaching found for us? It's found in Scripture. And so one of the cries of the Reformation was, sola scriptura, only the Scriptures, only the apostles' teaching is going to be our guide in what is true. And so they looked at the pope, and they looked at the councils, and they looked at other people, and they said, no, they're the folks that are leading us away. We need to get back to Scripture. Now here's where it gets tricky follow me. I hope you're, This is a logical sequence. I hope you're following with me, all right? I'm telling you, this is the body of truth that God wants us to learn. How did we get there? We got there from orally transmitting it through the disciples to being recorded for us in the Bible. And, uh, but here's where it gets tricky. It was recorded for us two millennia ago. It was recorded for us 2,000 years ago. And here's what I mean by tricky. It's, it's hard to know exactly what the disciples or the Apostles were teaching us exactly. Now, now, please don't misunderstand. I'm not trying to say it's just absolutely, totally ambiguous. I'm not saying that. But have you ever been in a texting conversation with someone or, or even an email conversation? And, uh, and, you know, you just, you're not communicating very well. I mean, it's really hard. I, sometimes I realize, wait a minute, I'm old. I don't have to text. I can call. So I turn my phone and I call the person, right? Because you can communicate so much better with your words and you can communicate so much better in person because there's voice inflections and there's facial expressions and there's the opportunity for, hey, I didn't understand that, what'd you mean? And feedback. And and what we have recorded in the Bible, we don't often have that feedback. We don't have facial expressions. We don't have inflections of voices. And so it's not always the easiest to understand what the disciples or the apostles were actually teaching. And the reason I say that, because if it were easy, we wouldn't have a nickel's difference between all the churches in all the world, right? But we all know that's not how it is. We have vast differences around the world as believers as to how we interpret a lot of these things. And that difference because we're out of context by 2,000 years. Again, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying that we can't know what God's truth is. I believe we can, but I am trying to tell you this is where diligence comes in. This is why it's hard work. And this is why I have to listen so that I can know the truth. Now, now here's a couple of corollary um, encouragements that I want to give us uh, with regard to understanding this truth that we have recorded for us by the, um, by the apostles in our Bible. Now, here's the first one. It behooves me, listen listen carefully. I'm going to get in the weeds maybe. It behooves us to dig beyond our tradition. It behooves us to dig beyond our tradition to to understand the apostles' teaching. And, and, and ask ourselves, God, what exactly was Peter teaching? What is it? And I'm going to give you an example. So when Micah joined us, he comes out of a Mennonite background. And if I get it wrong, Micah, you know, forgive me, but you can you can correct it later. But, but he comes out of a Mennonite background. And in the Mennonite background... Baptism in the Baptist background, in our tradition, we say that baptism represents our union with Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. And so we baptize by immersion because we believe it best pictures that. And so we put people under the water because it represents our death with Christ, our, our spiritual death with Christ, our, our uh, identification with his death. He's, we're burying the person under the water. We're bringing them back up. But in the Mennonite tradition, Baptism represents the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the believer. Got that right? Close. Okay. <laughs> Egan said it straight. I'm making, maybe I'm making this up. I don't know. This is what I've always thought that in the Mennonite tradition, baptism represents not the death, burial, and resurrection. By that, you and I grow up in a tradition, and not just us. Anybody listening to us on live stream that's not from a Baptist tradition, you grew up in your tradition. And you, you live in your own theological echo chamber. And everybody you listen to, and everybody you read, and everybody you hear, they are all of the same persuasion. They see things exactly like you do. And I'm, please don't misunderstand. I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, though, that in this growing in truth, we, we, it behooves us, I think, to listen to people outside of our tradition. Because remember, the church sees things different across its breath. Maybe, just maybe, some of our brothers and sisters in a different tradition have seen it right. And so I, I suggest that we listen beyond uh, our own tradition. Uh, you know, I can't speak for anyone for myself, but I made that mistake for most of my Christian life. I, I feel like I've made that mistake for most of my Christian life because I was lazy and I regret it. I lived in my own theological echo chamber. And, uh, and I thought my echo chamber was right, and I never cared to listen to anyone else. And so it was hard, hard work. A lot harder than it is for you guys today. It was hard work, and so I never did it. And by the way, before I go on from this, politically we can do the same thing. We can just live in our own political echo chambers. And I just, I want to to share with us, encourage us, learning and growth means being able to not embrace everybody else's perspective, but understand that. And for that to happen, you've got to listen outside of just where your your truth is coming from or what, what people believe to be truth is coming from. Here's the second thing. Just because I believe something is true, doesn't make it true. All right, let that sink in for just a second. Just because I believe something, it doesn't necessarily make it true. The atheist believes there is no God. And no matter how hard he believes that, he's wrong and he's never going to make it true. He can say there is no God. He can believe it with all his heart, but he doesn't make it true. There is a God. Just because you believe something doesn't make it true. And so that is, that is such an incentive for me to not be lazy. That is an incentive for me to work hard and try to figure out, God, what, what was Paul saying? What was Peter saying? How does this apply to me? What, how am I to live this out in my life? It really behooves me to be dil- diligent, and not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a follower of Jesus. I really, really want to challenge you to not look at me as a pastor and say, well, Jimmy, that's for you because your job is to teach us, etc. And there is a degree of truthfulness to that. But, but, but your job as a follower of Jesus is to be growing in truth. And you need to, you need to dive deep. You, you need to be digging. I'm probably getting long-winded here. I'm sorry. Um, my wife says, and others say to me all the time, why does it matter, Jimmy? On these secondary and tertiary differences. Why does it matter what mode of baptism we baptize with? You know, because in the end, there's just a nickel's worth of difference on, on that issue, maybe, or maybe it's more than a nickel's worth of difference, you know. But, but in the end, I believe my Mennonite brothers are, they're gonna be just as saved and just with Jesus as much as me, though they baptize a different way than I did. So what does it matter? Well, it matters to me because I wanna walk in truth. I want to walk in truth. At the end of the day, I love my brothers and sisters who differ with me and disagree. I'm, I'm glad that God's one going to make it. He's going to make it so we'll all know. We see now through a dark glass. But one day we'll know. But I'll tell you, I want to walk in truth now. And I'll tell you something else. We want to represent the character of God correctly. We want to, we want to represent God for who he is correctly, right? So that's, so that's all the reason to be diligent. Okay, I'm finished. That's my, that's my message, but I want to give you an application. And uh, so here's, here's my application. And uh, well, I've, I've appreciated, somebody uh, last week told me, hey, you know, after the, mo- the message on motives, I said, you know, I spent, I spent the week examining my motives. Man, I really appreciated that. And somebody's trying to apply, or, you know, listen and apply. I, I want us all to do that. Hopefully last week, maybe this week, you worked on a, a plan, a game plan. To, to strengthen obedience in your life. I hope you did. That was the goal last week. Where am I struggling in obedience? And then work out a game plan to strengthen that obedience in that particular area. Today I want to I I help us um, with an application with regard to learning. So here, here's my, it's a threefold application. It's really, really simple. Here's the first one. Read your Bible daily. If you've never read your Bible through... Here's where I'd like, I'd like to ask you to start there, unless you're a new believer. If you're a new believer, the the thing where I'd really like to ask you to do is read your New Testament. Just read your New Testament through at first, right? Get, Get a readable translation get a readable translation you know probably most of you know about translations but give me just a minute to talk about that so the bible was written in aramaic and greek and uh, and in hebrew and those were the original languages in which it was written and so for us to read it in english it has to be translated and so it really wasn't translated into the commoners languages until of course once the printing press came and the bible was then being able to be printed it was translated into german and it was translated into latin prior to the printing press, but, but then uh, when, the, when the English, when the printing press came, the English translated it into English and began to print it into English so that the common person speaking English could understand the Bible. William Tyndale was one of the first, gave his life, you know, he was killed because he translated the Bible into English so that his fellow Englishmen could read the Bible in their own language. What a, what a blessing we have. What an incredible thing. In, in my, my Bible app, I think there's probably 30 translations in English uh, of the Bible where people have gone back to the original language and translated into English. Translations run from a, a really exact parallel translation to what we call a paraphrase, which isn't a translation at all. Somebody's just taken it, and they've taken the, another English Bible, and they've made it into easier English. It's really kind of a... It's more like a commentary, right? But you have this spectrum of, of Bible translations. Find one that's easy to read. If you've never read through the Bible, find a translation that's easy to read, and here's my challenge. Begin to read through the Bible. Now, if you've read through the New Testament, never read through the Old Testament, do that, right? But, but my challenge is for you to read your, your Bible. Read the apostles' teaching. And, and don't do it as an obligation to one. Don't do it so you can check off your, oh, I did it today, I did it today, I did it today. Don't do that. Read it so you can understand it. Read it to understand what you're reading. So in that case, you don't even necessarily have to take huge amounts. You can just take a little bit every day and read it to understand it. And again, if you're just beginning in your following of Jesus, start with the, start with the New Testament and, and start with the words of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Maybe even read all four of those books first, right? So that you're, I mean, Jesus is who we love and he's who we serve and he's our king. Start there. Read about him if you never have. Start there. But read your Bible. Here's, here's my second application. And it's this. Choose a subject to learn more about. So for those of you that read your Bible daily or you read your Bible you know, pretty consistently, I'm, I'm challenging to go deeper here and to choose something, a subject, that you want to know more about and you dig in to that subject. So maybe it's about the Holy Spirit. You've heard about the Spirit of God, and you don't know much about Him. And you know, that, you know that churches divide over their understanding of the Spirit. So choose that subject, maybe, if that interests you. And, and, and begin to study that, that subject. Um, maybe it's the Trinity. Boy, salvation is a big one, right? We have these three massive views of how salvation plays out. We, we call it Arminianism, Calvinism, and Provisionism, right? We have these three different views of that. What did Jesus do? If you don't know about that and you want to know more, study that. Dive deep on that particular subject. Maybe it's final judgment. Maybe it's, uh, oh, I don't know. I could just name a bunch of things. But you, whatever interests you, choose a subject and, and go deeper on that. Or if it's not a subject like that, take a book of the Bible. And, uh, and, and take me just one book, right? So you're going to read through your Bible. You're going to try to read every day. But you're going to pick one that you're going to try to you're going to try to really learn you're going to try to really understand what did peter mean in first peter what did what did paul mean when he said to timothy and first timothy and you're going to take that book and you focus on that but dive deep on that particular book or study a theme did you know there's, there's four different kinds of theologies in study? There's biblical theology, practical theology, systematic theology, and uh, historical theology, all right? Each one of those has to do with uh, the Bible as a theme, like practical theology, just to show you. Practical theology is how does theology affect practice? Uh, biblical theology is themes like, say, for instance, sacrifice. How does it run all the way through the Old Testament and the New Testament? I know this is way over everybody's head, but I'm just, what I'm trying to say to you is there's all kinds of exciting things that you can invest in to grow deep and learn what the apostles were teaching us, what their teaching was, but my challenge please don 't miss it my challenge is for you to read the Bible number one, number two, my challenge is for you to dive deep on something, for you to grow in some area in wisdom, choose one area and, and devote yourself to that now here 's my third part of my application for you and listen. Develop a plan to do the first two things. Okay? Develop a plan to grow in wisdom. And so develop a plan for reading the Bible and develop a plan for growing deeper in some particular area. So let's talk about a Bible reading plan. You know, I noticed that Beverly every year puts out reading plans out there on the welcome desk. There's some out there, and you can do that. Uh, There are just, you just type in Google, Bible reading plan. There'll be more Bible reading plans than you could probably even count, right? Uh, they're, They're chronological. They're by book or whatever. Just, you come up with a plan to read. I've said this often. I don't, I don't I think too many people take, took me up on it over the years, and, and, I, and I don't do it now. But for years and years and years, I journaled as I read my Bible. And I would just encourage you to do that too, just uh, you know, a sentence or two about what you read. But, but well, regardless, regardless, come up with a plan. Make it easy and doable for yourself, but every day begin to read the apostles' teaching. Read it every day. And, and read it not to check, not your checklist. Oh, yeah, I did what Jimmy told me to do. No, read it so that, you're, uh, so that you're seeking to understand. And whatever helps you with that, do that, all right? And then the second part of this develop a plan would be to formulate a deeper study plan. So I've got a suggestion for you here. There's four quarters to a year. That'd be three months and a quarter. Why not, why not take and, and sit down sometime this week, and, and think of four things that you'd like to go deeper in. Four things you'd like to study. Four things you'd like to understand that maybe you don't understand right now. And, and give them to each of the quarters in the year, right? And so, so write this out. Write it in a journal. Write it on a piece of paper. So, in the first quarter, I'm going to study this. I'm going to I'm going to devote myself to understanding this. In the second quarter, it's going to be this. In the third quarter, it's going to be this. And in the fourth quarter, it's going to be this. It could be a book. It could be a subject. It could be one of the themes. And look, I'll be glad to help you. I'll be glad. I mean, if, you, if, anything, if anything I'm saying strikes you and you're like, I don't know where to, where to begin, then I'll help you. I'll help you. Come see me. Give me a call. I'll help you devise a plan for studying. And I'll help you find resources to study. Like if, like if you're doing, uh, like if you're reading, let's say you want to study uh, 1 Peter, right? I keep saying 1 Peter. We just studied 1 Peter. But let's say it's 1 Peter. And you want to say, here's what I'd suggest. Get yourself one commentary from one person that as you read the text, then you read the commentary where where some brother who's really good in languages or whatever, he's helping you understand contextually what he thinks Peter might have been trying to say. Right. And if you really want to be diligent, you can get two and you can get one from one tradition, and one from another. But yeah, I'd be happy if you start with one. Right. So choose one. All right. Choose one a book, subject theme and, and do four a year. That'd be my suggestion. One a quarter. And um, so how do you learn? Come up with a specific plan. What how much time are you going to devote to it? What days are you going to devote to it? Is this going to be a daily thing or a weekly day? I'm going to, I'm going to spend Saturday morning. I'm going to spend one evening and night. One evening during the week. I'm going to not watch TV. And I'm just going to devote that to my deeper study. So I'm, I'm encouraging you to make a plan. A real plan. Not a just... If it happens, it happens plan. Not one of those. Because what happens if it if it's a happens plan? It happens. It never happens, right? Let's be honest. You aim at nothing, you're always going to hit it. So... Uh, Choose a plan. Choose a plan. Make a plan. Okay, and I know what some of you are saying. But Jimmy, I'm not a reader. You know how many times I've heard that? I, I, I've heard it seriously. I've heard it so many times. I'm not a reader. I'm not a reader, and I get it. You're not a reader. But guess what, everyone? You, uh, you you live in a day where you don't have to be a reader. You live in a day where you can be a YouTuber. You live in a day when you can be a podcaster. And what I mean by that is you can have somebody talk to you about these things. So if you're not a reader, then formulate a different plan, you know? There's so many resources. That's why I'm saying young people. Listen, man, if only, only I could go back. Knowing what I know now and have available to me the tools that you have, whew, I, I just think so many things would be different, I think, for me. I, I want to make them different now, but I'm 61. How different can you become at 61, right? But uh, you understand what I'm saying? I'm, You don't understand what I'm saying, Jackie? Okay, you do. So young people, you have such a blessing because because there's so much available to you. So again, if you're not a reader, come see me. I'll hook you up with some stuff. I'll show you how to find stuff so you can research it for yourself, right? And find something. Now, uh, I wanna end with saying this, and I've already said it, so I'm gonna repeat myself, but look beyond your own tradition as you're growing deep in things. On your deep study, look beyond your own tradition. Listen to folks who have a different perspective. You may find, you may find that biblically, all of a sudden you're like, holy smoke, the, the, the Bible comes alive and these other traditions. Sometimes their understanding of what the apostles were teaching is going to shake you and change you and encourage you and move you. So uh, I can help you with all of that. Teaching with all wisdom, learn with all wisdom. May you and I be known for our study and understanding of God's word. May Bacon's Castle as a family be known as people who take seriously the word of God. We love the word of God, we trust the word of God because it is the apostles' teaching and we want to learn it, we want to live it, we want to know it. We want to know it because it's truth and we want to know it because we rightly represent our savior to the world. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at BaconsCastle.com. Also, check out our website at BaconsCastle.com to get to know us and see what God is doing locally here in Surrey. Be blessed.